Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40. If you're searching for inspiring and easy to apply Enneagram and human design content, then you've come to the right place. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two friends and coaches who are passionate about sharing our knowledge and insights on these two powerful self-awareness systems to help you step outside the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're so grateful to have you here. Let's jump into today's episode. We are so excited for the second episode in our three-part series about the three centers of intelligence. Last week's episode was all about the head or the mental center. And this week, we are going to be talking more deeply about the heart center or our feeling triad. Dominique, what are your thoughts just in general about talking about this center? For a lot of people, this is the more uncomfortable center to talk about because so many of us are not really excited to be deeply in touch with the wide range of emotions we can have as humans. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So I have a lot of feelings about this. (laughs) All great feelings, though, because yeah, like you said, it is really difficult for many of us to talk about our feelings and emotions. And at least for me, what I have found over the years, it was very difficult to talk about certain ones, because I almost made it my identity in a way. And that's something that I'm excited to talk more about today is just the power of language and identifying with our emotions and feelings. Instead of being a screen, we become sponges and we hold on to the identity that we're kind of creating when we're experiencing sadness. Or even if we say, I'm angry, we can't be an emotion. We experience it. I'm really excited to have this conversation because this is also where so much creativity comes from, passion desire from the different emotions that we experience. And these emotions can lead to phenomenal creations within our lives. What you just said made me think of two really interesting things. First of all, that you mentioned the word identity in relation to the emotions, because I took a course about the three centers of intelligence last year, and it was so interesting. And one of the teachers was talking about how our heart center is where our identity lies. And that's why it's such a difficult thing for so many of us to really put out there or make visible to other people, because it's so vulnerable to really show your true identity to people and to give them that emotional depth of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. The other thing you said is like, we can't be an emotion. But as English speakers, the way our language structure works, which I could nerd out about this all day, please do. We say I am angry, Mm -hmm. or I am sad, which is the to be verb. But in other languages, which obviously, I don't know the grammatical structure of every language, but I am learning Spanish. And for a lot of their feelings, not all of them, there are some they say I am this, but for a lot of things, especially states, they say I have hunger. Wow. I have thirst. I have fear. Yeah. Instead of I am hungry. I am scared. Yes. Wow. So it's like just the way our language has shaped how we identify with emotions is probably very deeply rooted in us as native English speakers. Yep. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because that's an experience. You're having an experience. 
it's not constant. It's yes, it fluctuates fleeting. And yeah, exactly. And it changes. It's going to be different. Kind of like one day you can feel one way and the next day you're going to feel a totally different way. And that to me is what gets me so excited about this conversation, because once we become aware and we understand how emotions function and their purpose and that, like you mentioned, the heart center being the identity center and human design, the emotional solar plexus is far away from the G center, which is the self-identity, the center for love. And that's the I am center. I am powerful. I am compassionate. I am trusting. And so when we start to, again, pull language into it, this is where things just get really jumbled. And it's just by better understanding that your identity has nothing to do with the emotions that you're experiencing just can be so comforting and so validating for many of us. I think what you just said is the takeaway of this episode is that disconnecting our true sense of self, our true essence from our emotional states is a huge step in the growth process of just understanding that there's no judgment around any emotions. There's no need to have shame around any of the emotions. They are just messengers giving us clear messages about what is going on in our life when we learn to listen to them better and feel them within our body, which I'm sure we'll talk about in our next episode when Mm -hmm. we talk about the body center. It can be a really powerful practice to get out of that monkey brain, that thinking space where you just stay in a spiraling circle of going through things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's so dangerous, so dangerous to get stuck in that spiral, but it's so easy to as well. And when it comes to what we're sharing with the Enneagram and human design, they don't sync up completely, but it's just a fun and beautiful thing to see the correlation, the nuances between the two systems. So I'm excited for you to share more about the Enneagram and really what it looks like when we're talking about the heart center. So when we talk about the heart center, specifically within the Enneagram framework, we are referring to the three types that tend to live more in the center. It doesn't mean they're doing it in a productive way or in the healthiest way. And those are types two, three, and four. So within this center, there is a strong common focus on their own self-image and their own persona because, again, that identity within the Enneagram framework lies in this center. Type two is really focused on how their image is presented outwardly to others. They want to appear kind. They want to appear helpful. They want to appear loving. Whereas type four tends to have that self-image presented inwardly to themselves. They want to be unique and they're allowing their emotions to define them Mm -hmm. a little bit more than the other types. And then type three can go both ways. They can really present this self-image outwardly because they really do care about their image and how they're perceived in terms of their success and if they're admired. But they also tend to deceive themselves inwardly about their true self because they're always sort of chameleoning. Being a chameleon. Well done. Themselves to fit whoever they're hanging out with, whatever social or work situation they're in, they sort of adapt to what they feel like others want from them or expect from them, which is a really fascinating part of that Enneagram type because people who don't do that are like, whoa, (laughs) like there are people who just naturally do that without even thinking about it. These three types 
in the heart center tend to have this common desire for attention, which makes a lot of sense because attention helps us feel safe. Attention helps us not feel so vulnerable when we are getting that positive attention and feedback from people. People within this center tend to really want to have significance and a strong identity, which makes sense Mm -hmm. with everything we've already talked about with the connection to identity. And the emotional struggle for these three types can be shame and hostility. So like we said, because the heart center is so deeply personal, shame can be really attached to that emotional state if we are constantly judging our emotions or how we think people see us and our true identity and all of these things. So this is a center that I think a lot of people, no matter what their Enneagram type, tend to feel the most disconnected from and use in the least productive way. And when we talk about productivity within the center. What I mean by productive versus unproductive action within the heart center, the unproductiveness tends to come when we're too future focused. So we're not grounding into the present Mm -hmm. moment. It tends to be that feeling of not enoughness, a feeling of lack. Anytime you're feeling unwanted or rejected, if you hold on to moods or emotions rather than letting them flow through you in a natural way, a lot of fantasizing can become really unproductive within the emotional center. And conversely, we can have really productive action within this center, which tends to be a lot more present focused. So getting in touch with how you're really feeling. Anytime you have like strong connection, love, empathy and compassion, any strong sense of yourself when you really understand and know something about yourself and you can stand in that truth, it is a very productive way to access and use this center. And authenticity, generosity, all of these types of things lie within this center in a productive way. Yeah, that's really cool to hear you talk about the heart center from the Enneagram standpoint, because human design is based off of the chakra system. But years ago, the system separated. And so we have nine chakra centers in human design and the emotional solar plexus is part of the separation of the solar plexus that was in the traditional chakra system. And the spleen- Ooh, that's so yeah, interesting. And the spleen is the other one. So spleen and emotional solar plexus separated from the chakra of the solar plexus. This can be a little confusing. So it's not necessarily part of the heart center per se. However, in human design, a big part of it is that our emotions- from the emotional solar plexus stimulate the heart center, which is the G center and the will. And because there's an electromagnetic connection to the heart, and we know this through science too, when we talk about the gut microbiome, the gut, heart, and brain connection. So we know that through science, but the emotions stimulate the heart And then from there, that's where we are then stimulating our possibilities for what we attract into our lives. So what we attract, it can only be at that level of what we believe we're able to receive. So it's how much do you love yourself? How much are you identifying with the negative emotions instead of looking at them as signs for something needs to be calibrated here? Something might feel a little bit off. What do I need to maybe turn my focus on so I can create what I'm really wanting? And so that's why I love hearing you share about this because 
like we said in the beginning, it doesn't exactly sync up with any gram in human design, but the connection is everything. What these emotions stimulate, the beliefs we carry, the fears that we might have. And you mentioned some of the unproductive ways they link up to the gates that are within the emotional solar plexus. And that's fantasizing about things in an unhealthy way. Fear of intimacy, fear of opening up yourself to others. You just don't know emotionally how it's going to be taken by other people. So there can be nervousness around it. But also with the emotional solar plexus, this is where we have choice to be reactive or deliberate in what we're wanting to bring into our experiences. So if I'm really upset by someone, that is my responsibility to neutralize that. Now, of course, if it's a trigger that's triggering fear because there's a lack of safety, that's not coming from the emotional solar plexus. But if it's triggering something because I feel like I'm not enough or I feel like I'm being judged or blamed, then that's a sign right there for me to address this trigger that I'm experiencing and to look more closely at it and decide this is where I'm going to pause. I'm not going to react. I'm going to be deliberate about how I choose to respond. And that's the greatest thing to build awareness upon when we're looking at the emotional solar plexus and human design. And of course, that changes if you have it defined versus open. And we've talked a few times on here, Carrie, about how yours is defined and mine is open. So you have your own emotional wave that you are constantly riding. You are riding that wave every day. And this is where you are to build awareness on what that is for you. Everyone has a different emotional frequency and wave for those who are defined. And it's just getting to know it. And I've mentioned before, one of the best ways is tracking it daily. So like take a month or two months and track your emotions throughout the day and what you're noticing for highs and lows, the intensity, what might be setting you off. Of course, how you're experiencing your emotion, just so you have a better understanding of it. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong. That's just your way of processing creativity because that's where you're trying to build greater awareness of how you want to be creating in your life. Think of artists and musicians, how many of them were looked at as just being like kooky out there, emotionally reactive or whatever it might be, but the creations that they brought are just mind-blowing. And that's because they would lean into that melancholy. They would lean into those emotions that they would feel and create art, whatever that might be from it. So it's not a bad thing to have those ups and downs, but being aware of how you're also impacting other people with those ups and downs is crucial, at least I believe, because you're the one that's responsible for your emotions, just kind of like we've talked about who's responsible for your happiness. You are. And that's it. You can only be responsible for your own happiness, emotions, reactions as well. I really love the human design lens when talking about this particularly, because I think it's so interesting. Again, it's like language and words are getting in the way of it seeming like we aren't talking about the same thing, but really we are. Enneagram just calls it the heart center or the feeling center or the emotional center. And human design calls it the emotional solar plexus. And there is a heart center in human design. So that's where it can get mm -hmm. confusing. 
we're not necessarily talking about the two same centers. But in human design, I think it's more, I don't want to say literal, but the energy centers are placed within the body. Mm -hmm. And in the Enneagram, when we say heart center, it's very figurative. Like we don't mean your heart, especially in the English language. The word heart has become more synonymous with emotions, feelings. It's just sort of how the language has developed. It's really, really interesting when we sort of break down the nitty gritty between the two systems. Like you said, we really are talking about the same thing, even if the language doesn't exactly match in how the systems were first developed. Yeah. And I think it's really fascinating too, like you had mentioned how human design's a little bit more literal in a way because of the centers. It's also linked to biology too. So the emotional solar plexus, that's where the kidneys, pancreas, nervous system, the vagus nerve is located here. So anytime we're having dis-ease in these particular areas of the body, these organs, then that can kind of guide us into identifying where might I be out of alignment. For me, my emotional solar plexus was a big one because I developed a nervous system disorder because I was not managing the emotions that I was absorbing and amplifying having an undefined emotional solar plexus. And so that was overwhelm on my nervous system. That's why I talk so much and I teach so much about nervous system regulation and also using vagus nerve regulation techniques because this center, the emotional solar plexus, has been an area where I have gained tremendous wisdom with this openness that I have. And also, again, it goes back to it's my responsibility with an open emotional solar plexus. I absorb other people's emotions. I amplify it. They're not mine. I know not to identify with them, but it's still my responsibility. I can't be like, your emotional wave is a little much for me right now. So why don't you go away? No, no, no. That's not their problem. If I'm feeling that intensity, that's a me. I need to recognize that it's not mine. I need to be able to release it or sit with it. But a lot of nervous system regulation is required within the emotional solar plexus. And I think this is something that research and science is starting to change and shift a bit because I think for many, many, many years until somewhat recently, we as humans did not understand the damage and how bad it was for not only our physical health, but obviously our mental health to Mm. deny emotions, to ignore emotions, to bury emotions. And we are seeing all kinds of negative outcomes of this, especially I think speaking as women, we're just conditioned to hide certain emotions. Certain emotions are quote unquote, okay for us to show. And there's certain emotions that we aren't supposed to show. The same for men. There are certain emotions men are socially allowed to show. And I think we're starting to at least become aware of this. I don't know if we've changed it as a society yet, but I think we are becoming more educated. We're becoming wiser about these ideas and how as humans, we're all going to experience anger. We should all be able to show anger safely and productively to get it through our bodies. Because for so long, for me specifically, I denied anger. It was just something I buried and I never really showed it. And I I think think this is connected to some of my health issues that I started having in my late 20s. 
Yeah. And a lot of the times the suppression of the emotions shows up as digestive issues. I was mentioning my nervous system disorder. It was high blood pressure and tachycardia, elevated heart rate that showed up for me. And that goes with the vagus nerve, which starts in the abdomen, the gut, then comes up to the heart, which is where all of that hyperactivity with blood pressure, heart rate occurs, and then it comes up into the head. And so a lot of women, especially I've noticed, they have these strange symptoms, digestive systems, the nervous system. For me, I had to go to the Mayo Clinic for someone to diagnose me properly. I spent a year telling doctors something is wrong and it is not because I'm a young, healthy woman having a panic attack, which is what they all said. I was like, no, there's something else happening and I need to figure this out. Mayo Clinic helped me out with that, but it ultimately came down to because of the dissociation. I was not processing. And the book, The Body Keeps the Score, if anybody wants to learn more about how unresolved trauma, emotions impact your health, your body, that book is the one to go to because that gave me just so much more clarity into why I was experiencing the things that I was experiencing. And that led me on the path to finding answers to get my health back. And it was totally achievable because I addressed it at the root, which was feel my feelings, don't identify with them, and take care of my nervous system. I think that is the perfect first piece of advice that we want to give when it comes to coming into better alignment with our heart center, with our emotional world, is allowing the feelings to be there. And like Dominique just said, feeling the feelings, allowing them to process through and just keep reminding yourself, even in the discomfort of it all, that it's temporary. It is not your constant state. Most human emotions can't really last in the emotional state for more than like 90 seconds, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then the mind grasps onto these emotions and that starts spinning the stories and spinning the ideas. And that's when we start to conflate the emotion with the thinking. Yep. Yep, absolutely. I know it's easier said than done when you've gone so long trying to not show anger or sadness or whatever it might be. And if you're wanting to start practicing this, then I definitely recommend starting it with a more gentle emotion, not like an emotion that totally feels like it has you completely triggered, but something that you maybe are like, ooh, that kind of threw me for a loop. And pause. And sit there and ask yourself, is it okay if I just allow this emotion to be for a short bit? And see what your body responds to. If putting your hand over your heart or over your stomach feels comforting, then doing that. Because actually that contact to the body, it stimulates relaxation within the nervous system, sense of comfort or safety. And see what's happening. Like you said, 90 seconds to process an emotion and for it to be released. And if we can just create a habit about allowing ourselves to just sit with it, recognize it, and then move on, that is a great practice to start with, with those more gentle emotions that come up. That's how I started when I was trying to identify and be okay with feeling the different things that came up for me. 
I love that. I really do feel comforted when I put my hand, especially on my lower abdomen. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. That's interesting that you said it. Like, yeah, that yeah. somatic response. It's that comfort that you're giving yourself. And that's why we say in trauma-informed coaching, you can comfort yourself through different points of the body and different placements that signal safety and connection to your body. And that's one of them. Hand over the heart, hand over the stomach, allow yourself to just be with the emotion without identifying, just telling yourself, okay, I'm going to be a screen right now and I'm just going to let it pass and it's time and it's okay. You're in a safe space. Mm -hmm. You can feel it. It doesn't have to be anything more than just a feeling. And like with so many things we talk about on the podcast, it's all about recognizing your own patterning. So being able to recognize when you are using your emotional center in a less productive way, in a self-sabotaging way, and learning how to catch it and find a more productive practice, something healthier that you can do rather than whatever it is that your mind is attaching to and creating a story about. So. For example, rather than allowing yourself to get into a more victim mentality or like a sense of lack, start really recognizing all of the things that we do have to be grateful for in our lives, which sometimes it's really hard when we're going through a tough time to recognize that. But for me, even when I'm like, oh my gosh, I just took a deep breath of clean, fresh air. Like that is huge. That's something that potentially in the future is going to be something that not everyone has. And so just trying to recognize how lucky I am in a moment to have clean air, to be living in this time of comfort and ease when my daily survival isn't at stake and those sorts of things that sometimes we can forget about because we take them for granted. Yeah. Showing appreciation in the present moment. You can't be worried about the future or worried about ruminating thoughts if you're focused on what can I be appreciative for right now. So appreciation for the present moment. That's a beautiful thing. And like you said, it's always easier said than done. But with these little tips and practices, you can see which one is going to work for you at this moment. They may not work for you at the exact same moment each time, but you at least have this toolbox of different practices that you can build yourself. And that's what I've done. And I have tested things out and then I get to cherry pick which one I want to try in the moment. And for me, a lot of the times it's what can I appreciate in the present? Another practice that can be really uncomfortable, but helps us get into connection with ourselves is looking at yourself into your own eyes in the mirror for one minute. Mm, Yes. And like then maybe even adding affirmations, Mm self-love statements while you're doing it. It is super uncomfortable. I totally understand that part because yes, I have done that. And if you want to take it up another notch, that could be even more uncomfortable. Get a picture of yourself when you're like five or seven years old. This is what I did. And put that up on your bathroom mirror. Look at that person and give them love. Like you were giving yourself the love that you needed back in the day. And that's kind of like another layer of focusing on you recognizing your goodness 
all of your worth. I love that, Carrie. That's a great one to bring up. The last one I wanted to mention, which I think if everyone could do this, our whole world would change. And that is developing the ability to truly deeply listen to others because it just naturally builds connection. And this is true listening. This is like eye contact, letting go of all your expectations and biases during the conversation. Listen to their words without thinking about your own viewpoints, your own opinions, how you're going to respond. Just giving people that space to speak to you and allowing them to fully finish before even starting to respond. This is so hard to do because so many of us listen from our mental center and we're processing and we're thinking and we're analyzing what's being said and we're getting our response all prepared and ready to go. But this kind of listening is listening from the heart center, from the emotional center, where your mind isn't even really involved. Obviously, it's processing the language, but you can do that at a subconscious level once you are a native speaker of your language. So trying to do that and really trying to be intentional with it takes a lot of effort, but I think the effort is so worth the outcome. Absolutely. That's beautiful. And especially when that naturally puts us in a place of compassion for one another, coming from a place of love. And again, your emotions, other people's emotions are not who you are or who they are. It is simply their world, their thoughts, experiences that they are expressing. And there's no harm in expressing oneself. It's the actions that take place after. So being deliberate, being compassionate, showing love towards each other while we just allow one another to experience the emotions without identifying with them. Thank you for listening to this episode. Your support is so appreciated. If you'd like to have a question answered about your human design or Enneagram type in a future episode, you can submit it through the link in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you.